So if you would, in your Bible, turn with me to the book of John, chapter 10. <laughs> Have you been there this month? Hallelujah, last month. John, chapter 10. Uh, I want to talk about living an extraordinary life in an ordinary world. Now, yeah, yeah, I've already, I already heard this at home. She said, you always say, well, I'm through. That's all that can be said about that. I'm done. Moving on. And then she said, the next time you stand up, it's like number 17. We're... <laughs> I found something else or, or whatever. But I want to talk to you tonight about things about the first of the year or this part of the year. It's February 1st. And we all are going to define our new year or this year, not so, by, so much by what happens, but how we react to what happens. That is life in a capsule. It's life is not what happens. It's how you react to what happened. Nobody drowns from falling in water. They drown for not getting up out of water. So uh, we know the Lord has spoken to us, uh, kind of a signal about revelation that you'll know, I'll know, we'll know what to do in 23. Have you, has anybody in here said it's already increased? Have you ever, have you seen things that's like, I have, a, maybe you don't know something new, but you have a confidence about something more. It's uh, an assurity like, I've got this. We're nailing this. So um, would you agree with me when I said life is lived by constantly adjusting priorities? That that's what we really do every day. It's not really what comes or what happens, but it's us adjusting, moving things out of the line. That's number one, moving it down to number three and moving something else up to number one and saying this is the most important thing especially with people. We, we, we get impressed with people. We say, you know, I like that. I, that helped me. Iron is sharpened iron, and I want more of that. So we adjust our priorities, and we're assessing and reassigning things that we think are essential. All of us are. That's what we're doing with our money. That's what we're doing with our are laying on of hand. That's what we're doing with everything is we're constantly in flux, moving and assessing and rearranging things in our lives and not telling anybody, but just moving things up to be first and foremost in our life. And so the church should do that. The church should evolve. We would say that a perfect church is the same yesterday, today and forever. But the truth is, since the church is people and we're all growing, we're all maturing, we're all aging, as it were. The, the, the leader, the pastor, and everybody in there, we're all coalescing together. So we do change. Somebody that hadn't been here much might not notice because they just step in and that, that it is what it is. But if you've been here a while, and y'all all have, we notice things are changing. Well, part of that is us, but part of that's the Holy Ghost in the times we lived. He's moving us into a time frame or a season that is commensurate with his calendar in the end days. He's mindful of that. He's lining things up and he knows when that date is and that time is. And so he's got to have, you know, he looks ahead and, and gets things prepared and get things uh, ready. So let me say this, the church, you can't say uh, anybody can, that understands God. Now be careful here, how you hear this. You can't say that anybody understands God that is sick or needy? Could we just provoke ourselves to love and good work with that? You have to use a little levity with the word understand, but really, would you say, if we believe that it's His will always, in every circumstance and under all situations, it's God's will to heal everybody of everything every time? Now, that's a, that's a big bite for a lot of people, but we've, we've been taking little bites till we believe that. I think we do. That it's never God saying, you know, I, I like this, this MS and I like this heart situation. He doesn't. So anyone that is sick and, and is passive about it or acquiescing to it, would, you, you wouldn't condemn them. You'd just say you don't understand him. And same thing about lack or need. No condemnation, certainly not to judge and say, well, you, you don't know much because we're all in flux. We're all in process. But we would say that none of us could be puffed up as long as we are thinking about 
our finances and thinking about our bodies. Brother Hagin always said, you know, that he doesn't think about it. He's unaware of his body. That, that's a good place to be where you're unaware. It doesn't mean it's not talking. It just means you're not listening. Shut up. Shut up. So uh, we're either in the giving plate or in the handout line in our minds, in our soul. Now, we're all, we're all, we're all, yes, I'm in, we're totally in faith, I got this, I understand. And in your mind, in your soul, in your, in your, in this part, uh, what's that word when you acquiesce to something, but uh, you're not really there with your heart? Uh, what did, what did E.W. Kenyon call that? Mental ascent. Thank you, brother. So we, we could all say, we could all measure this up here and say, yeah, that's where I am. But it wouldn't necessarily be the measure that got you what you want to do. So we're either in the we're either in the in the plate giving or we're in the needy line, not not overtly, not outwardly, but inside saying, man, I I'm giving, but I sure need or I want or I'm upset or I wish. And that's what it begins to consume your mind. Uh, you're either in the healing line or you're a healing technician. Now, those are broad, those are broad ends, and there's, there's always the gradient in between. But wouldn't you think that's where we're all moving? Aren't we all moving where we were in the healing line in our ascent versus like, where is somebody I can minister to? Where is, where is, where is all the sick people? I got to go find some. So uh, the, the choice for tomorrow, hear me. The choice for tomorrow is today. Because you can't turn it on like a light switch and just say, I'm in the healing ministry or I'm in the giving ministry. It's, it's, it's a gradual thing, isn't it? We're working things out and we're working things in. So tomorrow is absolutely dependent on today. If I don't make a right choice or choose today, if I don't get my desires lined up, if I don't set a priority and reassess my priorities and uh, move them around and, and re, re, reline what's number one, two, and three, then I don't have that choice tomorrow. Some things are not available tomorrow based on what we do today. If you tell someone, you know, I hate your guts and I don't want to ever see you again and don't ever come around again, well, then you, you don't always have that option to call them up tomorrow and say, hey, Jack. Good to talk to you again. <laughs> it might not be there. You understand what I mean as, as far as that. So uh, John 10, 10. Let's, let's go there. He said in verse 10, I know we, we can do that. The thief cometh not, but for to steal. Now, this is real stealing, y'all. And, and this is why he came. This isn't what he's doing while he's there. I really wasn't there for that. But I, I stole a few things along the way. This is the whole mission. When you get into hell's mission strategy room, this is all there is, is steal, kill, and destroy. There's nothing else discussed, there's nothing, and there's no one else discussed. It's you and it's me. It's every day, it's incessant. He's a 24-hour devil. He's pesky as thunder. I mean, you just can't seem to get him to back off until you just smack him. But that's steal, kill, and destroy. It's really, we don't, we respect the devil in one way, and we, we discount him in another way, but we never are negligent to think what his mission is. It's not to be pesky. It's to destroy. It's to kill. Murder is the word. It's to embezzle everything you've got. And it works on a lot of Christians. He's successful. And in some dimension, all of us would have a testimony that says, I let my grip slip and so he got to me and here's it was these people and it was that situation but it was the devil steal kill and destroy but the lord jesus came and said uh since he's talking here his information is true he said uh i am come that they might have life zoe life life as god has it i have come that is my mission that is why i'm here that is the purpose of me changing everything on in the kingdom and then it says and I have come that they might have it more abundantly. So whatever average definition you would have about the Lord bringing life, he fixed it. He, 
he straightened it up and said, I've come for you to have it to overflow. And if you look in different translations, that's it just says till you till it just opens the windows of heaven and pours you out a blessing that you can't contain. That's the syntax for this right here. So uh, let's just let's just think about this. Uh, put some thoughts out there just for you to think in a true kingdom of of our heavenly father. There cannot be more wealth accessed and acquired in the Old Testament than the new. I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about new now. And you think about people like David and Solomon and them boys were, they were what you call filthy rich. They, they had it stacked up and there's lots of accounts of it. But it wouldn't be right that they would say we had it better than the boys that got it together in the New Testament. It's just it's just wrong because the new covenant is a better covenant built on better promises and sanctified by better blood. So we just can't we just can't let that ride and say, well, this is the exception or this is something that hadn't come to pass yet. It's now. If you believe we're in the end days, you got to know the Lord wants to do something and. We're, we're in a, I've been preaching on it, but we've been in a, a better mentality. It's going to be better. We're going to pay off all our bills and it'll be better. And we're going to, it'll be better. It'll be better. It'll be better. But better is not the thing that we're talking about here in the Old Testament and the New Testament. These accounts in the Old Testament are there so that we would know the mark. That would be the minimum. It's got to be, it's that, or, it's that and more. Or we hadn't got there yet. Uh, so it would be super abundant transactions. He said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the super abundant. That's the word that's used there. Uh, and we've never seen that. See, we, we would like to see that and say, OK, let's do it like those people, Christian people. And there's some that really have done well and they live on 90 percent. They give 90 and live on 10, that sort of thing. But none of them transcend anything. And we're not trying to be world famous here and have everybody, you know, have an account of us read about us in the paper. But we ought to be demonstrating more. And it's all up to me and up to you. This is not a God thing that says, well, when I pour it out and when I get this thing going and when I get the awakening lined up and all that, then it'll be possible. It's New Testament right now. I, and you and I, we are the new man. There's not a newer, better, upgraded model coming. We are the new man. Everything that we need is in here to be everything he made us in here. So there's no... Excuse. So I like to talk to and if I was talking to the millionaires club, I would be saying, you know, you can do it. But most likely you they couldn't do it. Because they've already gone that way a different way. But all of us haven't ever gone that way. So we can choose his way. Isn't this good to think about? I mean, just to, to dwell on that God is even bigger than I can ask, think or imagine. These words demand something that I've never seen. And I told you Sunday that the, the two times that the Lord commended people for great faith was when they did things that were not duplicated. They didn't see it and repeat it. They did it. They initiated it. And that's what we've not seen. We've not got anything to say. Well, we'll be like uh, Mr. Green of Hobby Lobby or, or Chick-fil-A, the Cathy's that close on Sunday. We'll be, we'll be, there, there are demonstrations. Well, they are good boys. They are good boys. But they hadn't got anything on us. They just got to start. And so uh, who knows who will pick, pick this up and say, that touched my faith. And someday they'll say it was it was that series or that that revelation about how how vast God is in a regular person's life that got me going. We don't have to have everybody sign up for this to be right. But all of us ought to sign up for more. We all ought to get on the road there.
So um, kingdom keys are not for private use. They're for all of us. There's not some of you. There, there is the gift, uh, the motivational gift of Romans 12 that talks about being a paymaster. But that might give you a leg up. But here's the truth. Do y'all remember? No, y'all don't remember. I, some of y'all might. But remember, the, the kingdom used to be poverty. And then this dude that was nowhere, nobody from nowhere called Kenneth Copeland showed up. And, and you may have forgot, but I don't forget about him, how him and Oral Roberts changed the world by pushing back on everything that was lack and need. And God wants you to have, not have this and not have that. I still got some cassettes, or I did. I guess they're gone now. About the hundredfold principle that Kenneth Copeland preached, and you're like, "This is radical." And now it's it's mainstream, sort of. Not, not to us, it would be. And Or Roberts, I've got a book uh, that he wrote, a hardback, a little book. It's real old. How God taught taught me how to be prosperous, something like that. I had to prosper. And you go, well, that's okay. That's not, it was, it was cutting edge back in that day. Well, the Lord's not through cutting edge. And he doesn't need a Norrell Roberts or a Kenneth Copeland to put this into Tuscaloosa or to put it into uh, Columbus or Brookwood or wh wherever we are. He wants it in his kingdom. And that's just, we happen to live in those places, but the kingdom is where he wants this to be. So, but, but I've noticed, when was that, uh, uh, Annette, that was back in the, had to be in the 70s, 70s. And I just, I didn't even get the Holy Ghost till 1980. And it was the tail end of everything. But I got that tape, a hundredfold return in all of them, all of them. The covenant, he was talking about the covenant and all the things that we enjoy and take for granted now. Brother Copeland, he was, he was taking hit after hit. They were, they were. You know, did you know that Brother Copeland is the richest evangelist in America? He's worth upwards, they say, I don't know, they say, of seven or eight hundred million dollars. And that just that just irritates the fire out of so many people. But if you go look up how many planes and jets he's given away, millions of dollars, <laughs> you go, oh, there's another side to that story. It's not just that he's piling it up. He gave himself, like everybody will have to, he gave himself into this capacity, this place. He proved the word. And that's what the Lord wants us to do, is we don't need to be rich for riches' sake. I don't even believe you're supposed to pile it up anymore. I used to, but, and, uh, but I don't even think we're supposed to necessarily pile it up. We're supposed to get the flow going. And that when the Lord hits that eastern sky, we were just fixing to put our last dollar in the plate, and uh, we didn't have anything more. We were putting shoelaces and <laughs> I don't know. I'm just kidding there. But but you know what I mean? But it takes years for the church to assimilate truth. Now, hear me, hear me there. It takes years for the church to assimilate truth. I told the Baptist boys in uh, Seminole, Texas. I said, uh, uh, they all had hymnals and sitting behind pews. And I said, someday you guys, they got them an overhead. And they thought they had invented them. And they found them a song, you know, uh, Praise Ye the Lord or something. And they, they thought they had, just, had written it. And I said, well, gosh, we've been singing that for 10 or 15 years or 10 years. And I said, one of these days, Pastor, you're going you're gonna to crow and say, we started this movement. And you have no idea what we've been doing for 10 years. And we kind of jested and joked. It takes a long time to assimilate truth. But the mark of a strong church, a mark of a, a, a church that's on the edge is not numerical. It's not in properties. It's not even worldwide vision, missions. It's how fast can you assimilate truth? Well, you have to have a foundation of it. You have to have a thing that says... We didn't choke on the little truth. Can we have a bigger piece of steak? Can we, can we have a, a 12 ounce instead of a four ounce or, or whatever? We, you acclimate. We acclimate. We acclimate. And here's the thing the Lord showed me many years ago. It's in Matthew chapter 25. Easily persuaded to believe. 
That's it. And you go, well, I wouldn't want to be that because, you know, you might get, you might get swindled. So uh, we have two kinds of church people. We have the haves and the needy. And the haves have revelation. They have wisdom. They have insight. They have discretion. They have healing. They, they, they have healing. Well, we, we're sick. We, who can we get to pray for us? Well, let's go over to the haves because they have healing. They have uh, grace. They, they're ministering. They're, they're like, but it's 7 o'clock at night. Uh, they'll come out. They'll come out. They'll let you come in. If you read Curry Blake's stories, you know they don't sleep much. I don't know why they have beds. They ought to just have one bed and just rotate. But then you have the needy. And here's what Gloria Copeland said many, many years ago at a believers conference. She, uh, she said, who needs finances in this room? It's a sea of people. And 75% stood up. This, this is a Kenneth Copeland meeting. I, 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 who needs healing? Stand up and come down. And there's nobody in the, in the pew. Something's wrong. That's the have-nots. They're, they, they're always learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth. It, I don't want to criticize. I, I, I'm certainly not judging. I'm going somewhere with this. We're not just sitting here belittling people because we've all been there. We've all gone down to the front. We've all raised our hand and says the rent was due yesterday and that sort of thing. So we're not doing that. But we're, we're bringing up a, a, a place in history, church history, of which we are part of. What does 3 John 2 say? It says, Beloved, I pray that above all things that thou might, what? Prosper and be in health, even as, even as your soul prospers. So it's not magic. It's not out there. I got to get me, I got to get my soul to have a capacity. So there's two things that are going on in the kingdom. And 90%... I'll read you the scripture. Deuteronomy 28, 15. Deuteronomy 28, 15 says this. If thou wilt not hearken, and then it goes on to all the promises, all these curses will come on you. And then it goes to listing. And 90% of the curses are, heal, are disease and lack. Did y'all hear me? 90% of all the curses listed in Deuteronomy and all over the Old Testament are disease, sickness, pain, infirmity, and lack, shortage, need. So that would tell us why when Galatians 3.13 is said that uh, it says uh, uh, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the broken law. It's really the broken law. Having become a curse for us, for cursed is every man that hangeth upon the tree. So then you go to look at the promises that he fixed. He, he fixed the curse with the promises. 90% of the promises are what? Healing and need or supply. 90%. So that's the greatest need in the kingdom, isn't it? Apparently. But that tells you that's, that's where we need to be. We need to be prolific in finances, supply, funding, and we need to be prolific in health and wholeness, vigor and strength. Because that's where it's all at. It's not psychoanalyzing your brain, getting a psychiatrist to go in there and see where your mama slapped you and you, know, and you just never got over it and you hate all women and stuff like that. That's not it. That's all peripheral. That's part of steal, kill, and destroy. But here's the truth. In the world, the rich get richer and the poor get what? Poorer. Is that true? I think you'd say so. That's the main complaint about all worldly citizens is that, uh, uh, that that's happening. And the truth is wealth, this is, I hope I have time tonight. Wealth is flowing to you or away from you. It is not nearly as personal as we've thought, but that much of our giving is not the amount so much. It's the attitude, the heart, the conviction that demands that that be a part of our life process. In other words, on our, pro on our priorities that we're always reassessing, that has gone way up. 
where it used to be number 72, now it's like number 12 or number 7 or number high. So it's not like, okay, if I don't give, well, then it's going to be terrible. God's going to get me and all that. That's missing the whole point. Well, let me read. It's, it's in Matthew. I'll just read Matthew 25, 19. Let me just read it there, what it says. The Lord Jesus is dealing with the three, through the master, he's dealing with the three servants, the five talents, the two talents, and the one talent. And when he gets through dealing with all of these guys, it sa he says this. He says, to him that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. Him that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. Well, what he had just done is he took the, the boy that had five and made five more, and then the, the boy that lost it, buried his one, he said, give the one to the man that has the ten. And everybody's like, well, that's not fair. Have you ever heard anybody complain about that? I certainly have. That's not fair. He already had 10. As if there's some, and let me just remind you, we're in a world right now that is stressing equity, balance. It is not, it is not natural. It is, this is a spiritual steal, kill, and destroy. Because the principle is, to him that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. I want abundance. I can't do anything without abundance. I just just tool along and, and give 20 here and give 50 there and, you know, just mess around. And, but money's either flowing towards you or it's flowing away from you. We always thought it was just static. It's, it's either... It's incrementally dumped into your life according to faith, or it's just there. But the word says in that same, that same verse, it says, But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. This is real powerful. There's a clue here. There's a key here about how we're to interface with the kingdom and defeat the curses that Jesus Eliminated. He redeemed us from the curse of the broken law. The broken law was 90% lack and disease, sickness. He came to redeem us from that. Are we redeemed? Well, sometimes our money or our accumulation will tell on a deeper spiritual condition. In other words, it's the, it's the meter. You can't really tell. Well, I don't feel like that or I don't know about that, but you can go over here and look at somebody's life and you can gauge it, even as that scripture in 3 John 2, it says, even as his soul prospers. So you go, well, why, why am I sick? Or why are they poor? Ah, it's their soul that's not prospering. Because Jesus did it all. Didn't he do it all? And he did a good job. It's not like I did the best I could, but I didn't have much time down there, so I just had to leave some things undone. No. He did it. Mark chapter 4. Would you turn there? Oh, hurry, Michael, hurry. Mark chapter 4. We're talking about living an extraordinary life in an ordinary world. All of us want to be pleasing to the Lord. We're, we're all been down this road long enough. We're not trying to get honors and accolades and Look at me, look at me. We just want to please the Lord. I, I hope online, I hope that's who you are too. It says in Mark chapter 4, there's just a lot here uh, about the, the, the so, principle of the sower, uh, sows, sows the word. But look in verse 20, uh, let's look in verse 22. For there is nothing hid, the Lord said, which shall not be manifested. Oh my. We could go there, couldn't we? Neither was anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad. So there's always, there's always a way to gauge your life. Nothing can sneak up and work in your life. The devil can't come and work in your life, and you just didn't know what happened. Nothing can be kept secret. If you want to know, I told you the other day, if you want to know, you ask and then wait. Get quiet. Don't be babbling. Don't be carrying on. Well, I know this, Lord, and I know you. Shut up. And he will talk to you one way or another. 
You can't say, Lord, I want you to talk to me this way, but he'll talk to you, to you with your wife. A lot of times that's how it comes, gentlemen. Isn't, isn't the Lord a booger sometimes that he would do that? Sorry, I'm sorry. But, it, you know, but it'll come. The answer will come. Everything. Okay, got to go on, got to go on. Neither has anything been kept secret, but that it should come abroad. The devil wants to keep things secret. Darkness is where he hides. And when we are condemned, we hide. We get into darkness. But then he says, if any man have ears to hear, let him hear. Now, you need to have a little thing that circles here, and you need to have a little mark out there and write the word understand. Because it's not talking about your audio comprehension. It's talking about ears of the spirit that hear and understand. And he said unto them, take heed what you hear or what you hear to understand. Why, Lord? Because with what measure or the amount that you measure, it shall be measured to you. Oh, it's up to me. The Lord's not going to just drop it by like UPS or or something. I have to I have to listen. I I got to be at the right place. Well, I went to church, Lord, all my life. How come I don't know anything? Oh, they weren't where you were. They weren't saying anything that I was saying. So what you heard was not for, you know, with what measure you meet or give out. That's the word give out. It shall be measured to you and unto you that hear more shall be given. Well, now take that back to Matthew 25, where we just said, where he just said to him that hath more shall be given. Boy, a lot more of this depends on us than we thought. God's certainly not in control when it comes to this. Uh, we have to walk in revelation. And this is a hard thing for Christians because we are just like other people. All our life we've walked by the senses. Yes. What we saw, what we heard, what we experienced, what we uh, what we trusted, all those things are banked inside of us. And then as time goes by, they're cemented in, they're locked in, they're, they're a part of who we are, and it is the establishment, it's the foundation, it's the floor. And you can't hardly chisel it out. The only thing that will would be revelation. You're open, you're like, Lord, teach me something this morning. Lord, I'm open in the Word, I need to know. I'm asking a question, Lord, why is my money not right? I give and I'm happy and all this, but it's not like the word says. How come? Nobody answers that. Ask that question. I don't mean nobody, but I mean, that's not the question we're asking. We're just saying, well, it, it's a it's an implied accusation. You're not doing right because I am. And how come this says and I am what this says and you're not what this says? I mean, it's a real veiled judgment, but we need to not touch it. Because when you go there, you can't get an answer. We say out in the world that when somebody, I'm trying to talk to somebody and change somebody and persuade them, and when they whip this out, you're done. When they say, God told me, and they tell you what he told them that what they was already fighting for and wanting, they'd already figured out where they were going with it, they were just building a trail to make it work. And then they say, God told me. You're done. If someone you're helping says, God told me, you're done. Unless they just said, God told me to kill my wife and marry this girl over here. She's going to kill her husband. You know, that, that's obviously blatant. That's obviously against the word. But if it's anything that you just say, he told me to move here and told me to go there. And you know it's not right. But you can't say a word. Because God told me, finishes all that up. Uh, so the natural realm is the inferior realm. Say it with me. Inferior realm. Say it with me. Inferior realm. The natural realm is the inferior realm. The sense realm is the inferior realm. The Lord never goes inferior. He goes superior. 
And so that's how he's dealing. And he's not stooping because you're he's not stooping because we're stupid. We're not he's not stooping because we're rebellious or he's not stooping because we just don't know. And we're Baptist or we're Presbyterian or we're whatever, we, whatever we are. There's no excuse. Everybody stands on the same plane. I give you my word. Get the word in and you'll know everything that anybody else knows. So the 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 natural realm is never first. It's never first. So everything that's going to be fixed in y'all's life, my life, is going to be wrought by revelation. It's the superior realm. Revelation rules every other realm. So when people say, God told me, they're, they're going to the spiritual realm, but they shouldn't be there. They're a trespasser because they don't know. But they say, God told me, because they want to get rid of you. They want to shut this thing off. They want to. And so they pull out the big knife and they just, cut, they just cut it off. And you can't help them. They just have to go off and do their folly and see, see that it, God didn't tell them. I've seen this happen over and over. So have you. They come back in a year and say, well, now God's told me this. First uh, Corinthians chapter 2. Can you go there with me? I, I am really wanting to pull this together. Before we quit. Well, I am trying. But this is good. This is good. I mean, you, you, I know you know this. I'm never, away, I'm never coming to you with things that I say. They don't have a clue about this. But we need light. We need insight. We need, we need focus on something. It's not that you don't know this, but let's get it to work. Let's, let's oil the gear that's not getting it. First Corinthians chapter 2. It says in verse two, it says, uh, for I determined not to know anything among you, save or except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So he wasn't going to wrangle with doctrine, was he? And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. What was it in, Paul? But in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Why, Paul, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men? but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect or mature, yet not the wisdom of the world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. That would be revelation, wouldn't it? If, if, you, if you're going to speak plainly, you're going to speak naturally in the sense realm. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. And then it goes on there and it, it tells why the, why the devil messed up. He, ha, he, had, he was in the sense realm. None of the princes of this world knew, for had they had known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Verse 9 says, for it is, for, But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for him, them that love him. Okay, let's just stop there for a moment. You don't know anything naturally. It's been hidden for you, not from you, but for you. That's why we pray in the Holy Ghost. Because the word says that he that speaketh an unknown tongue speaketh mysteries. So this down here that the devil doesn't know, the devil doesn't know, the devil doesn't know. And when we speak it out in mysteries in the unknown tongue, we don't know, but then our, it's revealed inside and we know. The devil never knows. So we pray in code, so to speak. We pray in code, get it out, get it out of down here, get it into our sense realm without him ever getting a clue, and we move on. But he said here that, uh, that the natural man doesn't know. My natural man doesn't know. Don't know. It, it's called clueless. But God, <laughs> but God hath revealed. He hath. He hath revealed unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. This is good news. This is good news. It's, it's, it's hidden for me. But it's hidden from the devil. It's hidden from carnal men, uh, people around us that are natural, that don't want to go on with God. It's hidden from them. They don't judge us by that because we know things in here 
that they can't know and we can proceed or we can we can walk our life out pleasing to the Lord. But not necessarily pleasing to anybody. And, and we, we there's a lot of that uh, verse. Uh, where where am I? Verse 11, for what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him. Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. So that's the, that's the bank vault. For all the revelation is in the spirit of God. Right here. For we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know, we might know, that we might know the things which are freely given to us of God, that we might know, we might have understanding, we might have understanding about the things of God that are freely given to us of God. He wants a transaction. He wants a transaction. He doesn't want us to be dumb as a rock. Oh, I'm spirit-filled. Well, glory to God. But if you don't do something with it, it's like having a hammer in your toolbox and never knowing what a nail looks like. Which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing, comparing spiritual things unto spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. The natural man, the sense man, is inferior. God's not speaking to the inferior part of this creation, spirit, soul, and body. He is not dealing with you. He is spirit. He doesn't deal with soul. He doesn't deal with your body. Well, I got this herd over here. God's trying to tell me that, who knows? I got to go on. Uh, Verse 14 says, because they are spiritually discerned. Verse 15, but he that is spiritual judges all things, but he himself is judged by no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Hmm. But we have the mind of Christ. So right there, he said, everybody's dis, uh, disqualified, but you have the mind of Christ. You can know everything that's down here. There's a lot down here. The soul, I wrote down, the soul will always plan for less than the spirit plans for us. The soul will always plan for less. The inferior will always fall short of what the spirit, the superior has. And we all know this. I know. You go, what is the use of all this? Ah, we're activating. We're activating. You can have something in your house that's been there a long time, would really help. Activate it. What if you had a typewriter that just had 10 keys on it? No doubt you'd have to, uh, depending on the keys, you'd have to communicate in a limited form. You'd have to keep it real succinct. You wouldn't be putting flowery words in there, you know, about pretty and beautiful and everything. You'd just be saying the flower if you could. But what if one day you, you just start typing with 10 keys in your communication, somebody added 10 keys to your keyboard? On your typewriter, suddenly you've doubled your communication. Well, that's the way it is from the natural man to the spirit man. So what if we were all doing our communication to God in the natural? We were just speaking to him and talking to him in English and asking him things about things that had happened and, and asking him if he could show us anything about the future, but we don't get anything from him on that. So uh, we, we get 10 more keys or we get the Holy Ghost or we start praying in the Holy Ghost, or we start, we start understanding that nothing for me is in this realm. It's all in that realm. So I'm going to quit messing around in this realm. No, 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 what do you call those? Fleece. There's no fleece. There's no Urim and Tumen, whatever those things are called, where they, they threw the lots. All Old Testament. Well, the Lord did this, and so it made me think that he wanted me to do that. Whew, I am not riding with you. That's not how it works, y'all. We are spirit men, and he has a spirit message, and he wants us to get it, be confident, and giddy up. Uh, 
So the world, the world has, they got, I'm going to finish with this just a, just a minute more. The world has their riches, and that's what they're pursuing. They're pursuing health. Uh, some, some guy on TV is, is he's, they're dipping him in cold water and, and giving him vitamin infusions. He's trying to, he's trying to extend his life. Have y'all read about that? Seen that? Whatever, whatever. I mean, there's always some. There's other people that are trying to freeze people right before they die. Freeze them. And so that someday the technology to thaw them out will come and they can. So they're, they're pursuing all these things that are in the natural realm. When all we have to do is turn to the spirit and turn to revelation and not listen and not be satisfied until we've heard from revelation. Not say, you know, I'm kind of in a hurry and this will do. How many times have we all said, i got to have something right now and this will just have to do. And you go off and it, 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 it does as good as natural wisdom can do. But if we'd waited before the Lord and if we'd consulted the word or if we'd gone to somebody and said, and this is what I used to do a lot of. I would go to some people I really trusted and said, this is what I'm hearing. Could God be in it? And sometimes they say God would never do that. There's no path for him to say, well, it's a good end if it works, but, but he would never do that. The, the, the way is as pure as the end. And so I'd say, well, forget that. I'm missing it. But you have to consult. Well, we don't want to tell everybody our secrets. Oh, you're one of those that you're, you're going you're gonna to just be undercover and then someday just flash and say, I'm the new this and I'm the new that. No, we're all in this together. It's my job to be very transparent about myself. But that's just so that you'll say you can be transparent with other people or with the Lord. But, um, oh, my, my, my. Well, I'll just say, let me, that thing about money flows to you or money flows away from you, it's based on understanding. When you, the wealth of the wicked, of the sinner is laid up for the just. That means that the wealth that's in the hands of the sinner, the wicked, is in the wrong place, and money knows where it's supposed to be. Now, Jesus said it. He said, him that hath, he'll have abundance. He that hath not, even that which he, why does he hath not? He hath not understanding. He hath not revelation. He hath not understanding about the kingdom of God. So anything that he gets, money is flowing away from him, and so that even that he hath is taken away and given to who? Him that hath. So the wealth of the sinner, the money that's in the wealth of the sinner is trying to leave the sinner. Where is it going? Because the sinner has no understanding. They, they no telling how they got their money, but it wasn't by revelation. Because revelation doesn't come to sinners except to get born again. So where is that money trying to go to? Oh, it's going to someone that has understanding, that has revelation. Money's flowing. Well, do we have to work for it or we do we have to pray for it or we do have No. Seek first the kingdom of God. Get understanding. Get revelation. Seek the things that are superior versus the things that are inferior. So do you need three jobs to prosper? You might not get any smarter and money might not be flowing to you. Well, I need the money. Well, invest in understanding. Are y'all hearing this? Invest in understanding. Uh, Proverbs 3.16 says, Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand, riches and honor. That's where wisdom, this is talking about wisdom, that's where money's trying to get to. Money's trying to move away from the sinner, the word says it, and come where? Well, just, we need it. God knows we need it, and we prayed for it, and we need it, and we need it. That's not where it's going. It goes to the man and woman that has revelation, understanding. So the more you get understanding, the more you turn from the natural man, which is no good thing in that, and go to what First uh, Corinthians 2, he talked about, we're not doing it by man's standard, we're doing it by the Spirit. 
Oh, money will just flow. We've had testimonies in this church recently. Money's just flowing. You're like, well, what'd you do? I believed God. I didn't worry when everything was going the other way and they all said, we're not, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. That'll never happen. I heard her testimony say that. It's like, ah, it has to because the wealth of the sinner, the man of no understanding, is flowing to the man and woman of understanding. So if we're going to live a supernatural or a extraordinary life in an ordinary world, we need to have understanding that they don't have. This is real good, y'all. I didn't, I butchered it. I, I, I got a whole section here that I took out that would help, but you get it. We're after understanding. So when we come to the offering or if we come to kindness or we come to any part of life, this isn't just talking about money. It's not talking about money hardly at all. Uh, it's, it's talking about what a man hath. So if you've got time, your time is valuable. But you sow that time, you don't fritter it away. The man of understanding takes his time and ministers wisdom to whoever will say, I want wisdom. And he becomes wiser still. That's what Proverbs says. He'll become wiser still. Well, where's money trying to get to? Or favor? Or contracts? Or uh, builders for your house? Or mechanics? Whatever life has, we get the best because it's flowing. It's pursuing us. Give. It doesn't say money, but give. And it'll be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Shall men give into your bosom? They'll pursue you. Like, I don't know why I'm supposed to do this, but here I am. Well, it's a good word. So I want to encourage you tonight. You're on the right track. We're not changing anything, but we're just not falling away and saying, this stuff doesn't work. Oh, it does work. It's all that's working. It's all that's working. Nothing else is working. So quit that third job or whatever people are doing. And saying, I'm trying to get ahead. Ah, you need a seed. You just need a seed with understanding. And you're already ahead. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Barry. Praise God.